0: Thank you, choir, for that preview of tonight's performance of Gloria, Vivaldi's Gloria. I I truly hope that uh, most of you will be back at six o'clock for for that performance, which will have the full choir and in this area a full orchestra that will be conducted, I believe, by Luis. Uh, We're looking forward to that, and you're invited to join us here or online. Vivaldi's Gloria, it's a classic. It's classic and classical, but it's a classic for Christmas time. Classic, something of high quality and sustaining value for a long time. Lasting value, right? Classics get us into the spirit of Christmas often. We wait for Christmas Eve each year and we have these bits of classics that we enjoy. Now don't mix up classics with classical, which is a form of this music. There are other classics this time of year, and I bet you can think of a few classic movies. Charlie Brown's Christmas, Lulu. Lulu Lulu. You gotta do it. I mean, you gotta do it. You gotta take the breath, right? Miracle on 34th Street, Polar Express or a favorite in our house, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes, thank you. Classic Christmas stories, The Gift of the Magi, or Twas a Night Before Christmas, that you can read to someone sitting on your lap or sitting in your room, and even classic recipes. Your mouth is watering, isn't it? My friend has a classic recipe of peanut, chocolate-covered peanut butter balls that she only makes at Christmas time. It's a classic recipe that she shares with all of us as she hands out the peanut butter balls. Cafe Brazil pulls me in every season with their classic cinnamon pumpkin pancakes. I'm already hungry. And a classic eggnog recipe, which the Sweeney's have every year. It's a tradition from our, our family in Iowa. Classic in in these examples can be called uh, traditions as well, right? Don't you think? But using classic in that way and using it as traditions, they carry a sense of keeping things moving forward, but they also carry a tradition of looking back with nostalgia, which is a great thing about classics unless it pulls you back and keeps you down. That's one of the reasons why we uh, traditionally have a service of longest night, which will be on December 21st. That's the longest night, the winter Stolzest. uh it's, it's a time that we can all be together remembering that sometimes it's hard to find joy at Christmas time and in the Advent season. Sometimes we're just down, and we need to. And we need to have that time. So we invite you to join us in that time. You can find more about it on the website. But be wary of that instant classic. The instant classic is like a marketing ploy that everyone uh, that marketers try to grab you into something. And if you truly believe that those are instant classics and you fall for that, you're going to end up with calling Bruce Willis's Armageddon a classic. Songs of the Advent series, some of those were classics. We started with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, definitely a classic. Uh, We had a new one that I hope will someday be uh, considered a traditional classic, O Day of Peace, that we talked about last week and that we shared with. And today, Vivaldi's Gloria. How does this classic and classical oratorio Help us to understand Advent in a new way, that season of waiting with hope, with today's emphasis of joy for Christmas, the day we celebrate the birth of Christ. What can we learn from the classic Gloria, and what makes it a classic? Well, first of all, we certainly can't describe it as an instant classic. Vivaldi wrote this in the early 1700s. It probably wasn't performed. Vivaldi was very, very successful, but he squandered all of his uh, holdings, and he ended up being buried in a pauper's grave somewhere and lost a lot of his manuscripts. No one was clamoring for them when he died. And this particular manuscript was found near uh, where he died and in his Uh, home. It was found in the 1920s in a pile of forgotten manuscripts of his and it wasn't performed until 1939 in Siena, Italy and was tweaked by a, a different composer and then in 1957 the most familiar version which you heard today was published and performed at Brooklyn College in New York not an instant classic by any stretch of the imagination, 200 years between the time that it was written and what we know to be Vivaldi's Gloria today, 200 years. But the message is the same. Classics are born and lived out through the message, not the media. It doesn't matter if it's a song or an opera or a book or a film. Classics are born and lived out through the message. And God's message starts with the Bible. So let's look at the message. When we uh, hear the words, Gloria in excelsis Deo, they come from Luke 2, Verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Now, Vivaldi changed that a little bit. Uh, the, The Gloria shortens it to glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to all. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to all. Glory to God. It's time to rejoice. It's time to be joyful the candle that we lit today, the candle of joy. We can be joyful that God is with us. Christ has come to earth. Oh joy. Finally peace. The people had been waiting for the peace that we talked about last week and understanding that that peace was probably a Messiah who was a military conqueror who was going to come and establish peace. But as we wait in this Advent time, we have expectations. We have expectations that it is not a militaristic God, a militaristic Christ who is coming to us. The Messiah that we know is the Christ child. But did anyone catch that Luke 2, if we're talking about Advent and we're talking about that time before uh, Christ is born, Luke 2 tells the story of Jesus's birth and the angel proclaiming at his birth, God is here, Christ is born, rejoice. So how does that come into an advent time where we're waiting? I read it and I listened to the YouTube of choir performances and even as I heard it now with the choir, it all seems so after Christ's birth and not in the waiting, not in the advent waiting, you know? And this joy that we have Is it really a joy if we have to wait for it? Is it really a joy if we have to wait for it? And I had this duh moment as I was thinking through this. This this moment is that this message to God is about glory to God. Thank you, God. Thank you for your faithfulness and love, for continuing to be with us, for reminding us that you came to earth in this, messy, messy time just to be with us and to love us. You continue to be that constant God. You give us joy and love and comfort. You are the one above all. And this isn't the first time in the Bible that we hear this. We hear this concept of uh, this, this understanding of God is highest above all, not just heaven, not just a place, that people might think of, but higher than anything that we are joyful for. Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. God is faithful. This season of waiting is about so much more than waiting. It's about acknowledging with this joy that we have, rejoicing that God is with us and always has been. And always will be. We've shared in the past that, that that John Wesley's understanding of grace and the understanding that God is with us, Emmanuel. He's with us, providing us with grace at all time, whether we know it or accept it. It's always there. God is always there, and that grace is always there. It's what we call prevenient grace, and that grace is available to every one of us all the time. That's what the angels were proclaiming to the shepherds, you know. Remember, God is with you. God's grace is with you. And at some point, we're called to respond to that grace, to respond to God, to shout out, yes, God, I know that you are there. Rejoice. Glory to you, God, in the highest. And I believe you're here for me and for the world. It's funny. When we talk about this, it's almost like God's waiting for us to respond, isn't it? That theme of Advent, waiting, as if we're the only ones waiting. And our response with God is God waiting as well. Our response to that grace continues in the sanctifying grace that you've heard, where we respond then to God's gift. We do that in, in so many ways, what Wesley calls means of grace. And those means of grace are both communal and individual, something that that is increasingly understood in our understanding of our faith journey, that we can't just do it by ourselves, that this sanctifying grace we have pulls us together as a community to be joyful together, even as we are joyful individually. The means of grace that we activate individually include reading and studying the Bible, the scripture, and prayer, visiting the sick one-on-one, visiting the prisoners, if you do that, and those that we share communally, being in worship, for example, what we're doing here, seeking justice, ending oppression and discrimination, and seeking help for the poor. It's here I'd like to bring in the last part of the Gloria that we heard. Gloria in excelsis Deo, and on earth peace, Goodwill toward all. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards all. Here's the meat of it. Here's the really good part, the second part of that Gloria phrase. Our response to God, this sanctifying grace, this response that we have, includes empathetic and compassionate means of grace to reach those who are waiting for relief. We think so much about Advent as our waiting and it's individual, and we're waiting for God to work through us, which is always happening, but it's also a waiting that's happening outside of us, the communal nature of this means of grace. Our response to God includes empathetic and compassionate means of grace to reach those who are waiting for relief, whether that's suffering from grief, suffering from poverty, oppression, anything. And again, waiting in a new way, God is waiting for our response to seek help for the poor by learning more about their challenges in our Understanding Poverty book discussion groups, by building empathy in our studies with Arapaho's Journey Towards Racial Justice group, or by helping to implement solutions that address inequities in the institutional systems in our community. Inequities in education in our school district, where we've been advocating to continue the equity, diversity, and inclusion program implemented by Superintendent Dr. Jeannie Stone, who announced her intent to resign on Friday, which came after months of bullying from those who question her leadership around these complex issues, such as diversity, inclusiveness, and mask mandates. Inequities in housing, as we continue to seek affordable housing solutions to help those who are living in their car or on the street to help them find a safe long-term solution to having a roof over their heads. It's a means of grace and a response to God, a joyful response to help stem this inequity. Inequities in those who migrate to our country seeking a better life as we reintroduce our partnership with justice for our neighbors, which will be opening up again in the first quarter of 2022. Inequities that build one on top of the other for people who are and have been waiting on us to respond with them side by side to those inequities. This joy that we filled is an, it, it, that we feel, in the classics of Christmas time, isn't felt by all for whatever reason. It's our response to God, our joyful response to God that helps them find that joy as they wait, as we help to bring them solutions. Waiting for the hope and peace and joy for the angels to again cry out, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to all. May it ever be so. Amen.